Welcome to the Digital Forester Podcast, where we talk to foresters about how they are using digital technologies in their day-to-day forestry work. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Digital Forester Podcast. This is the first one for 2022, and I'm pretty pumped and stoked to have Doug Jones, Senior Vice President from Remsoft. Doug, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Kevin. Thanks uh, for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking, I always say this on all my podcasts, but I'm like, man, I don't know when was the last time I saw whoever I'm talking to. And I was like, it couldn't have been Brazil. That was like way too long ago, but it must have been sooner. But it's been a few years. And with COVID, obviously, like you're a, a globe trotter. So how has the pandemic affected your lifestyle with being grounded uh, and not flying around? Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's it's been a joy. I mean, we've all gone through this change, right? And it's like, how do you adapt to this change? And yeah, I can remember my, my last my last flight was actually in Brazil in 2019, uh, end of December, and then boom, 2020 kicked in, and then all of a sudden we're locked down, and uh, it was such a big change, right? It's like, and all of a sudden fear kicks in. It's like, what does this mean? What does this mean for our business and all these things? So it's it's been quite a quite a ride. We're all been on the same roller coaster, but uh, we're getting through it, um, you know. And, I miss being out there talking to our clients personally, face to face. You cannot, that's having that relationship and just having those conversations, one-offs and having that natural dialogue. I miss that. Um, but sometimes I don't miss the busyness, the airports, the, 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 oh, the, the drag on the body from traveling, but I'm anxious to get back out there again. I'm looking forward to seeing the end of this. Yeah, for sure. And, and a lot of folks say, you know, you can do this virtual, you know, you use virtual whiteboards, but I'm with you there. There's nothing that replaces like minds in a room, you know, that whiteboard marker is ever so powerful now, you know, I think all of ours in our office are pretty much dry, we'll have to buy new ones once we fully reopen up. But so for our listeners, this is this is a guy who would log probably 100,000 miles easy uh, in these tin cups flying around from, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Brazil, like Europe and and, and at the same time, I remember one trip where uh, I think we were in Brazil and then uh, the next day you, you like you looked all refreshed and looked awesome. And I was like, what happened? And you're like, oh, it's like, you know, I went for my run. So like, are you still okay. training, running like you're a triathlete, I believe, like high, high performance <sighs> athlete too, right? Well, you, you got to keep moving. You know, you just got to keep moving and, and you can't let the... You can fall into the trap when you travel a lot that you can fall into the lazy trap, right? And and let your body down, break all the rules. You got to stay on it. And I always found like, you know, if you're flying, it's always overnight to get somewhere. So you lost a night's sleep on an airplane. You got to get up, you got to get moving and you got to keep the blood flowing in the body. So that's why I keep moving, Kevin. It's just, yeah, you know, yeah. It does give you energy. So, I mean, it's when you're in boardrooms all day and meeting rooms all day and workshops with clients that's hard, you know, so For you sure. gotta keep moving. So that's, that's just what I do. So that's how I tried to keep refreshed, Kevin. It's just the magic of it all. If not, it would be, uh, it'd be a tough journey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think you, you invited me on one run and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to pass because I'll probably make it like 20 meters, see a Starbucks stop, wave you on, have a latte and wait for you to actually come back, uh, uh, per se, but definitely, so maybe walk us as we as we think about things. You're based out of Fredericton right now, still with uh, Remsoft. Obviously, we'll get into what Remsoft's up to. But maybe for our listeners who may not uh, know you as well, although I'm pretty sure most folks will will know you, maybe tell us a story how you got into forestry. What was was there a spark, a, a specific moment uh, that kind of got you going? Oh, personally, yeah, that's a that's a really long story. So I'll, I'll give you the real cool notes of it, but. Uh, 
Uh, I grew up in a family of foresters. My father was a forester. He had worked all across the country. Um, two of my brothers are foresters. Um, so we've, we got dragged across this country, that being Canada, from the West Coast to the East Coast, back to the middle again. So I grew up in the trees. I grew up in the forestry world. And, and then when I went on to university, I was determined not to go into forestry. I just was not doing it, you know? So I, I fought it. And uh, of course I was in Southern Ontario doing university, more urban, thinking business, that's where I was going. But something was gnawing at me as I kind of grew and matured is that something drew me back into forestry. And uh, it was in my blood, it was in my veins. Uh, I love the industry, I love, I love the trees. That's just who I am. So I stopped fighting it. And say, okay, what is forestry? What am I going to do? And I was very interested in the analytics side of forestry. And that's when I went back and did my master's in forestry, kind of a late bloomer. I was probably late 20s when I went back and uh, just knowing that I needed to brush up and really learn. So uh, the analytics side of things, the modeling, which, you know, Remsoft is part of, that's what I was interested in. And I was lucky enough to find a nice home in Remsoft and then just being part of this great, this great family and this great business for, for me, it's almost 20 years now, Kevin. Wow. 20, 20 years. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, when you tell that story, it always makes me laugh at, at one point, I think one pod I was on with others, I, I made the comment at the end of the day, your parents are always right. You just don't realize it back then, but when they're dragging you around, encouraging you to do the, these things, they kind of know you already. And so it's kind of funny when you say that for me, the old man was always like, Oh yeah, like go into the technology space. I'm like, that's what you do. I see you working these long hours. I know you love it, but I don't think that's for me. And well, lo and behold, it's like come full circle. Here we are. But maybe tell us about that journey into Remsoft and, and obviously Andrea and Hugo, you know, established names in the force technology community. Again, I think Remsoft's going on 25 years per se. Maybe tell me about how that sure. formed uh, the early days. We're close to 30 now, Kevin. I think wow. we're in the year. So it's, yeah, it's like, you know, you lose track of time, right? As the, as the years go by, but maybe you just kind of ignore it. But no, yeah, so the uh, Remsoft was founded, as I said, almost 30 years ago. Uh, the owners of the company, the founders of the company are Andrea and Hugo Funekis. Uh, it, um, they were both doing their graduate work at University of New Brunswick. Uh, so in their roles, uh, Andrea's uh, CEO, she's kind of the business lead. She's always been that business-minded person. On the technology side, Hugo is always that technology person. So he's our CTO and he's the one that started using technology to solve problems. And, uh, and that's when Remsoft really started off in fire behavior, fire management software. And that's where, that's where a lot of their work was and producing technologies in that space. But they also doing, uh, fell into the forest management and forest planning. And that's where the genesis of Woodstock was out of, their, out of Hugo's research. And, and their entre entrepreneurial spirit, they took that out of the education, out of the university research lab and more into, we're going to make this into a business. And that's, that was, um, you know, those seeds were planted 30 years ago and, and they started, you know, with basically nothing and uh, built up this company 30 years later that's been uh, servicing the world in the space that we provide. So it's been an interesting story. Yeah, no, hats off to them because again, uh, often, uh, you know, commercializing science, if that's one way of putting it, is really tough. And yeah, some, it takes 30 years, but again, lots of success stories. I've always looked up to Andrew and Hugo in terms of what they've uh, done uh, per se. So maybe for our listeners who magically may not know about Remsoft technology, maybe give, give us a 50,000 foot level. You know, you've talked about, um, you know, the, the optimization side, or maybe I'll throw that word out there, but I also know you're in the cloud. So maybe 
first introduce us to the the Woodstock side of things and and where that's being used and then where you see growth opportunities on that front? Sure. So if, if you look at Remsoft and who we are, I, I put us in that operational analytics bucket in terms of a, a business science. And, and really that's using data and analytics to drive productivity and efficiency in business operations. So um, if you look at this uh, optimization world, the inter interesting thing, it's, um, it's really kind of becoming more mainstream now. But if you think of when Remsoft was back in the 90s and even 2000s, Optimization was kind of a, a science that really wasn't well understood, but forestry was an earlier adopter of optimization uh, in the 70s. The science was kind of used just because of the nature of the asset. So using linear programming to do these forecasting models strategically. And that's where Woodstock really started was to be able to use this optimization technology, linear programming simulation, multi-call simulation, heuristics, and all those kind of fancy terms to be able to take massive amounts of data and do forecasts going forward. And, and really Woodstock was positioned and developed in the earlier days to do long-term strategic level planning. But Woodstock itself is really just a modeling platform. Um, you can actually model any type of asset you want. Uh, I, remember, I remember there was um, uh, one of our, he's retired now, but Carl Peck used to work for uh, the Alberta government and uh, his wife was a teacher. So he used Woodstock to actually schedule the whole teacher's curriculum, the scheduling all the teachers. And yeah, so he's like, this is really cool. I can do it whatever I want to do. It doesn't have to be forestry. And so that's that's kind of unique about Woodstock is that it's a platform. And, and so we're we're working in, you know, in the utility sector, civil infrastructure, completely different assets. Uh, it doesn't have to be trees. So Woodstock's pretty unique that way. Um, then we, in our in our course of our business, you know, yeah, it started long term, but we knew we had to to grow our business. We had to get further down into that uh, the operational world, the tactical world. So we been providing solutions in that space, and so Woodstock's really a modeling platform used predominantly in the forestry space to drive out plans and schedules. That's really what we do. We're we're, we're driving out plans and schedules to help people make better decisions about their assets and, and their operations from investment decisions and kind of decisions to improve their improve their business. Since then, um, as we move closer to the ground in terms of operational planning, I call it sales and operational planning, using operational, using optimization to help drive out those plans. Because there's all kinds of decisions in there, right? And you're balancing all kinds of things, whether business targets and ecosystem targets, but more you know, business targets when you get closer to the ground. One thing I noticed was that, okay, where, where does the information go? You know, who's going to execute on that plan and how are they going to manage that plan? And, and, and it became very apparent to me and actually have, having worked in, uh, in the operational space, we do it all in spreadsheets and we've been doing it in spreadsheets, you know, since I was started, you know, as a young forester with uh, McMillan Waddell way back when in Weyerhaeuser in, in uh, the province of Saskatchewan, it really hadn't changed much. So that was where we um, did the advent of Remsoft operations, which is a cloud deliver uh, application for helping our clients managing that whole supply chain in the forestry from the trees, from the from you know the the operations of felling those trees, moving them to the roadside, uh, allocating those products downstream, delivering those products downstreams, and actually right down to the inventory of the yard inventory of the mills. So so it's one big connected um, ecosystem in that sense, and and then that's hooked into optimization and AI to help people make better decisions in the operational front. So it's it's from that long term all the way all the way down to near term execution. Kevin is where we're where we're at today.
Yeah, for sure. So very cool. And, and lots of like keywords there in technology that we'll dive into to get uh, people's sure. viewpoints, because obviously you and, and the team, the Remsoft team are leaders in this space. Um, so thinking of like starting off early there, maybe if I bring you back a little bit, would you say it was kind of a straight path? Like thinking of Forrester's and you talk about Excel spreadsheets, it's like, yeah, they're, we, we know they're still around. And if anything, they've discovered how to use every single color uh, to color every cell, then color the text in the cell and some combination of cell color and cell text means something. And then maybe there's a circular reference that breaks. And maybe some of our listeners are laughing going like, oh yeah, it's like, I got that problem right now. But when you think about technology um, uh, dissemination or innovation, Remsoft has been leading that front. What are maybe some of the challenges, you know, are there patterns you've seen early with the opt developing the optimization techniques? Are they now going to the cloud, bringing AI into it? Have you seen any patterns in terms of, is it Forrester's resistance? Well, I shouldn't say resistance to technology, but well, resistance to technology, um, slower adoption, because you're right, they were early adopters of a lot of things. I would argue they're kind of coming full circle as the forest industry as early adopters of now newer technologies, which is kind of cool. But what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it was like, I'm assuming it wasn't smooth sailings, but was there anything you kind of learned that our listeners might, might benefit from going, yeah, it's like, we're kind of stuck there and I heard Doug say this and yeah, that's going to kind of accelerate and I want to follow up with Doug. What are your thoughts on that? Well, in terms of technology adoption, it was, it was, it was somewhat easier when we were, and it's probably a, a benefit to us as a company as we were able to grow and grow globally, right? So we've, we've been very fortunate. We're servicing customers all through North America, South America, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, South Africa, Russia. So we've, we've been fortunate. But in part of that fortune, though, is that strategic planning, you're only dealing with a few folks that are they're specialized in this space. So it was an easier way to, to get adoptions because you're only dealing with a few. Now, as soon as you get closer to the ground, you're dealing with an enterprise. You're dealing with lots of people who have lots of different business functions. Uh, it could be you know, the, op the, the harvesting supervisor. It can be the, the wood flow manager. It can be those who are in sales. It could be procurement foresters. And you know, and you got the managers above them. So you got, you got a big ecosystem of people now. So adoption of technologies that are more closer to the ground and actually helping your enterprise grow, that's a, that's a different game because you have to get people to buy in that this is going to make a difference and it's really hard to change and spreadsheets they're really effective there are you know everyone knows how to use it and it and it kind of blows my mind sometimes when i when i've seen some of their spreadsheets in terms of how they're running their operations and some of these some of these spreadsheets are are 30 years old you know and they haven't changed much and maybe a few adoptions here and there so it's hard to change but where I'm seeing some of the obstacles and, and, and I think executives and even those who are using it, there's, there's challenges with those spreadsheets. It's, it's hard to share. It's not connected. Um, you have different stories um, and errors uh, in those spreadsheets. Uh, different people having different, uh, using the spreadsheets for different purposes. So it, it's not an effective way to run a business and we've had to change. We have to change going forward. So it's all connected in one system. So it's, everyone's looking at one source of truth. And, and, and that's what we're seeing is kind of a, a the digital transformation going that way. Now, it's not gonna happen overnight. You know, that change management is probably the most important thing uh, for adoption. So change management can come from the vendors that bring consultants in, but at the end of the day, it has to be the corporation or the business that's going to adopt the technology and work on change management with their team. Because at the end of the day, those who are going to be using it, 
you can't force them to use something. That's, that's just not going to work. They have to see a win. They have to see how it's going to make their life better, how it's going to improve their life. And it could be a simple, Kevin, simple things that uh, it takes me four hours less a week to generate the reports that my manager needs. It means I can be home with my family rather than being in the office, you know, till eight o'clock at night, getting those reports ready for the Friday morning meeting. It's like that, that to me is, is a win. Can you measure that in dollars and return on investment? Not really, but tell you what, quality of life and happier people, that's a big deal. So there's a lot of things in there, but uh, I'm seeing it. Uh, it's interesting in terms of uptake, in terms of how you're doing that. So it's it's a real collaborative process and working with your customers and partnership is key. Is key. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Great, great thoughts there. Thinking of the landscape, you mentioned that Remsoft, you know, has clients, uh, you know, around the world. And literally I've, I've been to your office and I've, there's a map there with all the pins, right? And uh, so for our listeners, they literally, it's all over the world. There's like pins everywhere. It's it's very cool to 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 see there. Geographically, as you guys are, uh, you know, bringing the the cloud side, the AI side, and thinking back to the the uh, the Woodstock technology, obviously it's still alive, and 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 you're still servicing and promoting it. Any patterns you see? I'm just curious, you know, with Australasia versus Europe, Latin America, North America. Is there something over the years you yeah, you find whether it's a cultural thing or maybe it's just a technology readiness or maybe a risk appetite. Yeah. Anything you've seen on that front? Definitely um, technology readiness in a, in a big way. Um, this is a little, little story. I mean, that I've always heard. I mean, and you, you've known this from your business, too. And, and anyone in the tech industry knows that you've got to have to move to the cloud. I mean, it's not and that's not the doesn't mean that cloud is the, you know, the perfect thing in the world, but in terms of having systems connect to each other through APIs, you know, it has to be, you know, kind of so much cloud enabled. So we knew that. And so we invested in cloud technology, learning, how do we, how do we build a cloud platform and how do we build applications in the cloud? We did that investment four or five years ago, but talking to the customers, it's like, whoa, no way we're going in the cloud. We're not going near the cloud. Is all mostly around security uh, was the biggest thing that was that people were worried about. But all of a sudden, I don't remember what it was, but it just switched. It just said, if you're not cloud, I'm not talking to you. And I was like, whoa, how did this happen? It just, it was like overnight. So something happened in the in the thinking for a lot of folks that it's cloud or nothing. And it could have been more just because it's modern. Uh, then the IT groups are going, this is the only way we can operate in terms of making a connected um, IT ecosystem. Um, and the other point was uh, that I forgot now, but um, I think they just getting getting over the hurdle that the security hurdle kind of got out of the way, and it's like now this is the this is where we have to go, and and it's the only way to kind of really grow that business because cloud allows you to centralize things, connect things, make things work together. Because one thing you know in the in the technology. Um, Escape is that you know forestry needs a lot of things. There's a lot of technologies. There's not going to be a vendor who's going to provide everything. It's impossible. So it has to be an ecosystem of vendors that can talk to each other, and that's critical going forward. So that that's where there's partnerships with your clients, but there has to be partnership with other vendors as well in terms Absolutely. of working to provide that value for the customer downstream. So cloud cloud is probably the biggest thing that I've seen in in the in the in the recent. And that's been important to our business in terms of how we move our technologies to the cloud. Now, it doesn't mean everything is going to be in, in the cloud. Uh, so if I go back to the modeling and the optimization world, some of that stuff will remain on-prem. 
and because it's it's a better place. It's it's more effective from from you from using the app the technologies, and it's more effective from a cost perspective as well. So uh, so some things will stay on prem, but it's how do you make the cloud and the prem kind of talk to each other as well, which is kind of a fun journey. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer on on prem or mm -hmm. uh, or cloud. And I think the last market report I saw globally was probably about 50-50 split of folks uh, mm -hmm. being on on-prem versus the cloud. Do, do you think pan the pandemic uh, or the ongoing pandemic made it sound like it was done, but do you think that, that uh, what's the right word, uh, you know, lit the fire under the bum of some people and, and made them look at things that for foresters take a look at things they might not have thought was possible or was ready to take on or maybe accelerated some roadmap initiatives? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think there's a bunch of things going on right now. Um, if, if you look at forestry in general, um, if you go into a, an organization somewhere, like a company somewhere, and if you look at the technology that's in place, a lot of it is, is quite legacy. It's 90s and 2000s technology. So really in, in the technology world, it's very old. Um, extremely old and it's all pinned together, you know, on band-aids and pieces and it's working. It's amazing, but it's, it's going to break and it's going to break going forward. So I think companies are stepping back on, we've got a risk and for us to, 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 to move forward and grow and be competitive in the global marketplace, we have to get better uh, from a technology perspective, but also driving that is that I'm seeing, and I'm, you know, executives are reading about this and I think that data is the future, right? So we can't ignore that. And um, so data, data is important and making decisions based on data is gonna be becoming more and more important in the future. So, I mean, there's all kinds of stories and insights in data. Even if we look at running our own business, Remsop, small business, not a big business, you know, but if we start taking our, take what we talk, start doing what we preach, doing it for our business, we're gonna learn things about our business as well by looking at the data and doing things from a data perspective. Now you take that to a bigger organization running really big supply chains in the forestry space, which is hugely complex, most complex supply chain to manage. Can't believe we do this, but foresters are amazing. Oh, there's so much information there in terms of where they can find efficiencies. And I think data is gonna be king going forward um, in terms of how they use that and the analytics and the information. And that's going to drive efficiencies for their business going forward. Um, now, the biggest thing that I find uh, in that journey is that, uh, well, first of all, forestry is a little bit behind on the digital transformation compared to other industries. We are behind. Doesn't mean we can catch up quickly, though, because uh, technology, once you adopt it, you can, you can be quick. But the biggest hurdle I'm seeing in terms of the adoption of digital and digital transformation is the data. And one thing that's kind of inherent in the forestry industry, there's very little standardization of data, you know, across geographies, definitely not. Even within current, like similar geographies, it's not. Even within companies with different divisions, it's not. And, and we have to get past that and we have to get more standardization and more structure with our data because without it, it's hard to, to make that next leap. And if you think about, you know, I'm gonna bring in artificial intelligence into, into my business. Yeah, AI, probably mostly machine learning. It can, it can do good things. It can actually drive good value, but a machine learning algorithm isn't gonna work on unstructured data. 
<laughs> it's going to have to be structured and standardized and consistent for you to start using technologies like that. So that's one of the, I'm kind of going off on a tangent now, but that's an area where I see forestry, we need to get more structure and consistency mm -hmm. uh, within within the data, within the world before we can start making big improvements. And uh, But yeah. it's starting to come. It's recognizing it's starting to come. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't think you're going off tangent at all, Doug. It's like, in all honesty, like listening, having done a few of these pods and talking with you, like these are the things people actually want to hear, right? Like someone in your position as an executive and what you're seeing on landscape. So I think that's totally cool. So we're going to dovetail into the section more maybe on, on tech, because I'm a techie guy. So I actually always love learning as well. So come a couple, not rapid fire, but maybe questions, and then we'll kind of go broader into the future on what, what you're thinking, because I, I can guarantee a lot of folks are probably thinking, all right, he's got a lot of few buzzwords there, and then just mm -hmm. curious to see the direction you're thinking. So the first question I'm going to ask as a, as a rookie, so I'm no optimization guy, being the Remsoft user group, dined on the lobster dinner, totally awesome, you know, great event that you guys host, super fun. But I'm assuming optimization technologies, they're not all the same. You mentioned linear programming or LP. There's some other things out there. So thinking some listeners who may not be into that space yet, and they're kind of looking at the landscape and going, okay, I've got Woodstock. I got some other magic. I got the AI. I got, I got someone who says he can solve all my problems type of thing. Help educate me in terms of, you know, is there really a difference? You know, is there pros and cons or or, 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 or how would you guide or advise someone who's considering at looking at some of these optimization technologies? Um, well, th there are different, like if, in this, the, the, um, the business science we, we play in is called oper operations research. And operations research is really about using mathematics and using algorithms to solve problems, right? And, um, and there's lots of different techniques out there. Um, you know, we, Woodstock largely uses linear programming and mixed integer programming. So very deterministic type modeling. Um, we also have, you know, some stochastic um, modeling through Monte Carlo simulation and those kind of things. There's simulated annealing is another technique. Uh, goal programming, which we have in our systems. There's lots of different tools to solve different problems. Um, the end of the day, what really matters is, is really defining what is your business problem and having that business problem clearly defined and then matching the right tools to actually determine how you want to solve that particular problem. And, and that's where, you know, those folks who have experience and knowledge in these, you know, these really, I won't say sophisticated, but uh, specialized technologies there that's it's up to us to be able to fit it right and make sure it, it, it works um, the other thing too I would say is that um, you know Remsoft has been very focused on innovation so as we've grown in time the problems have changed you just can't keep taking the same tools well we have we do lean heavily on linear program and mixed energy program to solve the tools but we had to evolve those technologies to make sure we're following best practices, but also finding ways to solve these problems. Because Kevin, these problems in the forestry space are really, really tough, <laughs> like really tough, especially when you deal with a, a natural environment, right? So there's all these variables that foresters deal with every day that just aren't, you know, like we don't even know what's in our warehouse. So like, man, you got a cutting unit, you don't even know what you're gonna get out of it. And then you put nature on top of all that and you got mills that need wood and markets are really dynamic and it's fickle. Foresters have a, probably one of the toughest jobs in the world. So, and so when you're putting a science against that, it's kind of a, a fun journey, best part of the innovation game and making sure it works. What matters to me more than anything is that it can 
it's this the, the technologies is not the focus it's actually in the business and supporting the users who actually have to manage the supply chain gives them the tools to actually look at data and give them answers they wouldn't have thought otherwise and then looking at that analyzing that and making decisions thereafter so it's a decision support tool right it's not the answer so long-winded answer there in terms of how to get to it but you know there's different tools for different purposes and uh, it's on us to kind of make sure that we're bringing the right tools to the market that solve those problems yeah no it's a great focus and i think a lot of times people lose sight of it they just jump to the how or the technology versus you know spending the time to define what it is they're trying to do so it's cool to to hear that's how you guys um tackle tackle the challenges and i and i agree with you um, you know, when we talk with other people outside of forestry, it's always like, oh, just look to, you know, transportation logistics, look to mining, look to, yeah, they've already solved this. And I'm just like, I'd rather build a, a rocket to go to the moon than some days deal with the for the complexity of forestry, right? And even, even as we think, uh, you know, with AI, machine learning and vision, right? I, I know people have said, oh, it's so easy in forestry. We've done this in the warehouse. I'm like, yeah, what happens when it rains? What happens when it snows? What happens when it's minus 40, when it's plus 40, when there's a fire and smoke and people are like, Oh, like that doesn't happen too often, does it? I'm like, no, that's like, you know, every day, every day and everything, right? And so it's kind of funny from that point of view. And often I, I kind of joke that foresters are almost like, foresters is almost like healthcare. It's like, yeah. it just doesn't move that quick. And 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 so despite all these people coming in and I'll say preaching these new technologies, there's there's a lack of understanding of how the business of forestry works yeah. at a fundamental level. So so we look at the cloud technology, maybe the side, the Remsoft operations um, side of things, maybe talk more about that. Obviously it's a cloud technology, but there's scheduling. You mentioned there's time to optimizations, but maybe um, if I role play, uh, hi Doug, I'm uh, you know the, the VP of such and such company, um, you know, what, what do I need to know? Like, can I use this technology? Cause you know, I got some stuff in Azure or AWS. I got some on-prem, my data is across five different offices and, you know, X number of regions in different countries. Maybe for our listeners, like, how would you, how would you kind of bring me or warm me up to the point where I'm like, oh, I can actually do this. It's not so scary from a, a rollout or deployment point of view. Yeah. It's, it's actually not in, um, in what. I'm not a technology person, even though I've been working in a technology company for the last 20 years. I'm, I'm probably the most technology numb person out there. Uh, but in, in, in one of the things that when you go into the cloud, uh, that always kind of what I understand is like, well, how do you get the data up there and how is it always refreshed all the time? And, and then you work with our dev team and our, and our vice president of technology. It's like, that stuff's easy. <laughs> That's not a problem at all. So it's API technology. Anyone can learn that. Anyone can use that and employ that. So that's, that's not, that's not the, the challenge. It's not the technology. The, the biggest challenge uh, of adopting like RemSoft operations, which, which can be adopted by a very small operation or to a very big enterprise. So it, it can fit either way. It's the same purpose. It works the same way. Um, it's more, it's more about sitting down and looking at what I've learned. It's the business process and, and mapping the business process to the technology and making sure that their process is going to be met by the technology and the technology can meet their process and finding where there's similarities. Now, the biggest thing I find is that now we're going to find gaps. It's inevitable. It's impossible for one technology to fit everything perfectly. There's going to be those gaps. And how do you manage those gaps? Can you let it go? Is it not that important? Or how do we kind of adjust or find ways that it kind of meets those gaps without having to do development? Because you don't want to do development because that gets costly, right? So 
those things. It's really mapping the business process and matching it to the technology. After that, the implementation stuff, it's pretty easy. It's not that difficult. Now, the biggest thing we find is, again, I'm going back to what we talked about earlier, is that still need access to that data. The data has to be organized and structured in a way that is consistent. So if I'm pulling from division A and division B, you call it JP over there and you call it PG over there or PJ, that doesn't work in the data world. You gotta have consistent names in there. So what we find is that as you go through this, it's um, a process of implementing RevSoft operations. What happens is the organization becomes structured and consistent with the data. They find where they have errors in their data. Because uh, as you go through a few cycles of, because data comes in every night, you know, you got actuals coming in every night, you got new blocks coming every night with new inventory information. So information's coming every night. And, you know, you're feeding those units, units, some units get rejected. Why? Well, because you, you're using the wrong code name. It's expecting this code. It's not that. So that's one of the benefits of, of implementing is, is that consistency and getting that structure on data. So it gets them further down that path. Anyway, so it happens naturally to get their data in order which is kind of exciting. So, but the nice thing about like operations is that again, it can be for very small scale, someone who has like 30,000 hectares and a smaller operation to someone who has a very big scale, like warehousers, one of our bigger clients in the operations, massive, big scale for their, for the U.S. operations. Yeah. So thinking of that, um, as you mentioned that, is it a safe assumption to say if you're like a warehouser, that's more of a more complex, like it'll take longer to roll operations, RemSoft operations, or if you're like 50,000 hectares, um, if we're talking about data schemas, models, you know, mm -hmm. re-engineering, the scale really matters because it's probably the warehousers have more data, but the work is the same. So it, do you have a pattern there? Like if, I, if I'm like, you know, in the US Southeast, I've got, you know, uh, I don't know, 25,000 acres and like, Doug, I want to do this. Like, like how long is it going to take? Because everybody wants it yesterday, right? You've seen it. It's yeah. like, all right, I'm ready to go. Like what? I can't, it's not done in a week. Like, is there a pattern you can share with the listeners on, on how long it would take to go from concept to operational? Yeah. And if you look at, so if you look at a bigger operation, right. And, and the reason it is, it takes a little bit longer with a bigger operation is you're dealing with more people. You're dealing with more nuance, you're dealing with more differences. So you're doing a lot of the people management side of things in terms of the process in division A is a little bit different than the process in division B. How do you bring those two such that they're going to be following a similar process in the end of the day? So it's that change management in understanding how that's going to happen and how that's going to be involved. That takes time. You know, it's, so it's the people side of things. And there could be some data stuff too, but everyone is dealing with the data stuff. Smaller operation, it can be lean and mean. It can be up and fast. Like we're talking like less than a month to get a, a wow. company into their system, into the system, because you're only dealing with a handful of people. Maybe you're dealing with five or six people, you know, and then and only one data source, one way of doing things. So it's quicker to get consensus and say, okay, this, this match is great. Boom, it gets up into the system much quicker. So that's where I would say the difference is, Kevin. It's not okay. necessarily you're doing the same thing. The plumbing's still the same. Yep. mechanically the same we have two different ways to get data up but it's it's really the people side of things and the scale of the operations and the differences within those operations yeah it's just amazing to hear you talk because it's like you know we keep hearing about change management the people side and even though remsoft as a technology company right it's so you know it's almost like well that's that hasn't been like obviously the challenges of technology but it's like the people the business process the change management managing that through time so it's fascinating to hear that i suspect a lot of listeners are like oh yeah i'm, I'm in the thick of things uh right now and we'll want to chat but where I'd like to take you now is I'm going to bubble up because it's the digital forest. We're talking about technology. I'm going to bubble us up to 50,000 feet and then bring us back down as we wind down later on. But thinking of the landscape 
of force technology. What, what are some of, because again, you're an executive, so you're watching things, you know, strategically always looking out, you know, six months, a year, minimum out, not in the weeds operationally on a day-to-day basis. But over the, the, your career, it's like, what, are there some key things that have happened that you're just, wow, it's like, this is totally cool. This is a game changer. And, and would you say you anticipated it maybe? And you just felt like it was something, it was just a matter of time again with change. It was coming one way, but maybe share some of the thoughts of looking back on your career to date. What are some of those game changer general technology and force industry that, that might've helped data act? getting data into an operations or providing data for Woodstock or whatnot. What are your thoughts on that? Um, probably a bunch of things in there, Kevin. I, re- I remember speaking at a conference, I think it was Hool in the Forest um, in a technology. This was almost 10 years ago. So I was on the panel speaking and they're going like, what's the future? And I was like, well, that's a big question. But I said, to me, the future is having technologies talk to each other. They have to talk to each other. They can't be working in silos. It just that's just can't be the future. Well, that was 10 years ago. And we're only there getting there today. Like our technologies, your technology and our tech could easily talk together today. Easy. It wouldn't take much. A little bit of a little bit of work, but it's now it's now possible, right? So that's one thing I'm seeing is, is the connected digital ecosystem. And, and, and again, cloud is kind of enabling that because of the, the newer platforms and new technologies allow technologies talk. The other part I've been harping, another part I've been harping on a lot is, is data standardization, data consistency, uh, centralization is another piece, you know, that data centralization, it can't be all over the place, get it centralized. Um, the one thing um, I've always seen as, a, as an obstacle for us in terms of our growth, because we're planning and scheduling, we're taking data and turning insights from that data, while the source of that data really matters. And to me, the biggest leap in, in uh, technology and in, in uh, forestry has been the precision forestry using LIDAR and remote sensing techniques, which you know very, very well, to get into more accurate inventory. We still got some, still got a ways to go. Uh, there's still some work to do, but it's much better than it used to be, right? So that's that's a big thing. So, because how do you manage something if you don't really know what, how do you manage an asset if you don't know what you have? It's like, it's counterintuitive, right? So that's really critical. Um, to me, the other piece is, I kind of already brought it up with RevSoft operations, is that, did, is that connected digital supply chain? Again, foresters have the most difficult job in the world of managing a supply chain. And it's interesting, I was talking to a forester one time, and, you know, he said, I always thought of myself as a forester. The other day, I'm actually a supply chain manager. And I said, yeah, you are. Sorry. You just know trees, you know, but you are a supply chain manager, really, at the end of the day. That's what you're doing. You're managing a supply chain. But having that in one view, visible across the whole organization, connected, breaking down all the silos. So, like, I've seen stories where you got the procurement forester down the end of the hall, and you got the harvesting people down the other end of the hall, they're supplying wood to the same mill and they're not connected. They're not talking. So really in the day, he's out there or she's out there buying timber, buying logs for the mill and you're out there harvesting and you're actually competing with each other. (laughs) Yet you're on the same team just down the hall. You need to have visibility in terms of when do I procure? What do I procure? Because, and what do I harvest? When do I harvest to make sure I'm getting the best benefit to the end. So that connected digital supply chain the last piece I'm, I'm, and this is where we're bullish and it kind of fits in in our world is, is the analytics and AI. So, I mean, it, it, we're getting into a more data world. Everything's data, 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 that's where we're going. And there's benefits for that, you know? 
So um, that's where I see a big, a big leap up is now, how do we take this information and start driving insights from that information so we make better decisions about our business? And, and those who are adopting, there's a, we know there's a lot of waste in the system. And the people running the system know it's there. They know there's opportunity. So how do I grab hold of it and how do I see it? Well, you can't just go with gut anymore. It can't be intuition. You got to defend it. You got to see it. And data will tell you the stories. It'll tell you whether there's slop there or not, whether there's opportunities there or not. And I, and I know with some of our customers, they're just going, didn't even see that. And there's like hundreds of thousand dollars of savings just by that alone. It's like, we just didn't consider that before because it just wasn't in their brain, right? And we all do it. So those are some of the areas that I'm seeing in trends, but uh, I'm definitely seeing that that digital transformation is it's, it's grabbed hold. Everyone's talking about it now. They're trying to figure out what does this really mean? Because, you know, I've done the research, you've done the research, other people are reading the same articles that we're reading and you're trying to make sense of it all because all these digital twins, AI, what is digital transformation? It can be really confusing. Like, well, what does it mean? <laughs> I don't know what it means. And, and this is where I find uh, we've been helping a lot of our clients with what does that mean? And so let's just step back Let's just, you know, let's just look at it and let's just see how we can make a difference with technology where we can help and where we can't help or who else can help you because we don't have all the answers either, right? So it's, we quite often will recommend different vendors because that's their niche and they know that really, really well. So yeah. it's helping companies understand what this journey is because we're all in it together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing when as you talk about the supply chains, like the connections here, there and everywhere, like we're all connected one way or another, whether we, we like yeah. it or, or know about it. Share some thoughts in terms of right now, as we look at forestry, um, not only from the climate tech space, but the carbon space and exchanges, you know, again, I think you're well suited in, in your seat to give some insights, because again, an operational forester may be reading about some stuff, but maybe... Um, I don't want to say not appreciating or maybe not seeing those those currents with uh, a completely different pool of people, different pot of money, and then you know ESG and and uh, large corporates uh, corporations. You can tell I was talking to international people since I use corporates instead of corporations recently. But share your thoughts on that. What are you seeing with uh, that world of uh, of carbon and and climate tech and all these new players? Oh. <sighs> It's gonna. It's it's interesting right now. Um, I, I often say, like, I think to myself sometimes, you know, like, the, we're in the middle of a revolution and, and a kind of a a resource revolution or definitely a forestry revolution. Things are changing because of all the things you just brought up. And, and I'm going to be interesting, you know, when I when I'm old, well, I'm getting old now, but when I'm, you know, retired and kind of looking back and just kind of where I'm at, say, ten years from now, what just happened? <laughs> Because we're into something pretty pretty dynamic right now, um, and um, so you know, of course, climate change is really rearing its head now, isn't it? Right, we're seeing it, and and the green economy is really taking hold. So these were just buzzwords I found ten years ago, or even five years ago. We're just talking about it, but now it's really it's it's a very real thing now, and we're seeing it. And as you said, there's we're seeing new entrants now. Uh, in, into this market space. So forestry, the little forestry industry, no one really paid attention to it. And it's getting a lot of attention right now from folks that wouldn't even, don't know anything about trees, but you know, they're going, wow, there's something going on here and we need to get, on, get a hold of this. And there's a lot of speculation going on, buying land, land scarce. 
you know, there's only so much of it. So they're getting into the game. So we're, we're seeing a lot of things with the green building material. There's more demand right now for, there's going to be growing demand for fiber, for green materials. Um, there's going to be the carbon sequestration and the carbon credit game going on. So people are going to be competing for that and looking for that. And maybe who knows what that means for the supply of round wood to the market going forward. And you can't, you can't forget population growth. You know, I forget what they said, 2030 or Dublin again or something. So there's a lot of people and paper and wood products, they're needed. They provide a lot of things that people don't even know what they're providing. So the demand side is only going to go up in terms of what the forest is going to produce and what's going to be the values going to be driven from that. But on the same side, supply is going to be, is, you know, is starting to be limited. Look at BC, biggest supplier of forest products, round wood and lumber and in the marketplace, one of the biggest suppliers. Look at what it's gone through in the last 10 years. Pine beetles wiped it out. Forest fires are going like crazy. Um, what do they call it? Atm atmospheric river that just hit them, right? So havoc in, in supply chains. Look at the prices of lumber. And that's having that's having havoc. That's not just a one-time event. It's just going to keep going, right? So supply is limited. There's only so much land to develop, so you're going to get more from the hectare. So it's going to be really interesting with all of these components coming through of what the forest or what the forest industry is going to be into the future. I don't have the answers, but wow, is it ever crazy right now and dynamic. Yeah. That's, you know, like, where's it going? I don't know. The only thing I do know is that it's, it means there's lots of things to consider, lots of things to look at, lots of trade-offs. To me, that's a good thing for us because it's, that's where optimization fits in nicely because there's trade-offs. It's absolutely to help you figure out the path forward right so yeah well it's an ex it's exciting times right and as we talked about earlier though given the complexity already in place mm -hmm. these are adding additional complexity that yeah absolutely when you think about ramsoft technology it's purpose built to to reduce complexity and, and solve people's problems so very very cool uh yeah it's 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 for my position it's like it's really interesting to see like things take off there's new entrants that you know, we've never even heard of, right? And then, you know, with, again, with the uh, the markets, with the amount of, you know, as, as those folks say, the dry powder out there, you know, getting ready to deploy, you know, the money at play, it's it's quite staggering per se. But I've always said, you know, with climate, you know, whatever your faith, if we call it that is, it's like, I don't really care. You're going to feel it in your wallet one way or another. And to your point, we're seeing that with the fires. And it's amazing to think some people I talk to BC, they've been there forever. They're thinking of moving. And I'm like, you're going to leave paradise? And they're like, like dude it's like we've had forest fires like you know how many times the last few years it's like how, what are we breathing it's like we don't have great summers you know and i'm like never thought of it that way and so maybe they're going eastward it's so true kevin and um i, I was there like four years ago on a family vacation mountain biking vacation right and all of a sudden fires were all around us and i'm in southeastern bc right and i was like holy smokes we got get diverted coming back home or driving through the bull river valley you couldn't see the mountain smoke and I was sitting there talking to my family and I said, now imagine if you're coming from Europe right now and you saved, this is your dream vacation and you came to BC and it's ruined because of fires. And that's, that's happening every year now, right? So, and so that's kind of an anecdotal story, but you know, think what happens to the forest industry as well, right? And uh, yeah. it's, it's tough times. Yeah, and it's like ripples, ripples outwards as, as things yeah. happen. So as we're, as we're looking to wind down a little bit, I'm going to ask a couple things and, and just to, because uh, I'm curious as well, um, and we had talked a little bit in the past, uh, Remsoft uh, did an acquisition, uh, I believe you correct me, it's Activity. Maybe talk to our, yeah, maybe tell our listeners about that, because I'm sure some of them watched, and then obviously there's a play happening here, and uh, what, what's the thinking behind there? 
uh, because it's not necessarily forestry, but uh, what can you share with the listeners? No, um, I mean, RIMSOFT's uh, a big part of our agenda is growth. Um, we believe in growth because it just keeps you on your toes. It keeps you moving forward. It keeps you innovating. Um, part of our growth um, was through this acquisition of a company called Extivity. We like Extivity a lot. They're in the space of MRO, which is maintenance repair operations. And what they, their technology and what their business is all about is, is optimizing parts for in the manufacturing space. Uh, so making sure parts availability is there to make sure there's uptime. So there's never downtime in the manufacturing process but also making sure that you're not carrying too much working, working capital. So you're optimizing the right part for the right time and reducing those costs. And that's been their space. We like them. And the reason we, we really uh, we're, we're liking about Extivity is that they play in the same space. Their, their main sectors are mining and pulp and paper. And so we have a lot of similar clients in the pulp and paper side, but on the mining side, we like that because um, it's a land-based asset, and that's where Remsoft seems to really fit nicely is land-based assets, resource-based assets. So mining is a, is a nice fit. So, and, and the other part that's very akin to us is that they're using analytics. So they have a, a bunch of um, very proprietary algorithms and analytics to help drive the optimization of these parts. So that fits nicely with, with who we are and what we are. So it's a nice fit in terms of what we do and what we do. It's a little bit off, a little bit different, but it, there's a lot of similarities there that, that makes us excited. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger market area too, which is really kind of pretty exciting. So yeah, so yeah. that was part of the acquisition, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So definitely looking forward to see, uh, you know, the future of Remsoft, you know, as you continue to evolve, grow and, and scale um, going forward. So, so thinking of technology, again, what, what gets you excited, let's say in the three-year horizon, 10-year horizon, and this may be specific to Remsoft in the space you're, you're playing with, and that's totally cool. But is there something that, you, you know, when you wake up, you're like, gee whiz, it's like, you know, in three years, like the, the stuff is just going to kill it. And, and we're going to be a part of that. And then 10 years, is there even something out there that I know 10 years is far, but again, as executives, you guys have very long horizons that you're always thinking out and playing different scenarios, but what gets you excited looking, thinking of the future? Yeah, so there, there's a couple things there um, that I'm excited about. So I can only see three years out if I can do that. But um, one of the things that you know, I really believe in is is on end and end connected planning, right? So it's what that really means is that you got folks driving out strategic plans, and then you got folks driving out tactical plans, and you got folks driving out operational plans. And again, like you got data in silos or business functions in silos those planning uh, levels can be in silos too. So great, I built out a strategy, this is awesome, park it, and I go off and do something else. Well, how do you know you're, you're actually doing what you said you're going to do? Are you going down the right path or not? So having all of those different planning levels connected such that the information can flow up and down uh, to me is a, a big piece of you know, where, where that is going to be. And, and I, I see that as critical across all of industry in terms of in the forestry space. We do have clients today that can actually move from operations right to tactical and strategic and back and forth. Nice. Which is really cool when you see it happening and you see the benefits, right? So if something changes big, they can roll up and run a big strategic plan and roll back down if they have to, right? So and uh, so that's, that's one space at the end to end. Then if we extend on that, um, I just, you know, the internet of things, right? So I see the information coming into one central data hub and it's just fed out to everybody for different purposes. And uh, for us, it's the planning and scheduling. So all of that information can flow in and, and it's there in terms of like in RemSoft operations, 
uh, actuals coming in off the machine heads, actuals coming off the forwarders, actuals coming off the, the trucks, you know, so the delivery. So actuals are just flowing in against the plans and they can see everything in real time in terms of what's happening with my operations today. And then using that information for better predictability through AI and machine learning. And that's where we're spending a lot of time right now in R&D is how do we farm that information and serve up insights not as a project, but as the people running the supply chain, they can hit a button and go, and here's some insights and here's helping to make a better decision. Like your inventory said was this, it's probably gonna be this based on historical knowledge. So it's, it's that space, Kevin, that I'm excited about is connected planning and bringing in all that information to help people make better decisions in one ecosystem. It doesn't mean it's all Remsoft, it's working with partners to kind of bring it all together. Yeah, very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. So hopefully our listeners, you know, you enjoyed this. Uh, you know, as I said, I, I feel privileged being able to grab your time. Um, so as we look to close, like I got to, I always ask fun questions. Like a lot of people are like, Where, where's this coming? It's from left field. And, and part of it, you may not have an answer, but it's more fun. Uh, so Microsoft recently, well, just the other day, acquired uh, Activision in the gaming. So buzzword, metaverse, does that excite you? Or does it, in the context of forestry, do you care or it's too early? You're still figuring out what it means? Too early. I can't give you any feedback on that one, Kevin. I'd probably look to you to give me more feedback on that one. But... Well, this is where it's like, you know, whenever I ask the question, then we're into the non-fungible fungible tokens and crypto. Yeah. Any any thoughts on, because uh, everybody's, you know, thinking about this world right now. Any any thoughts from your side and what it means to Remsoft? Uh, you know, I, I'm, it's, it's one, um, well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I see technology has to get easier, simpler, and fun to use. I look at the people that are coming, like who's behind us, right? So I'm an old guy now, but who's coming behind me? And, and how they use and interact with technology is very different today than we were or what I am today. So it's how do you build and deliver technologies that bring value to an organization, but it's also matching the different users coming behind. And it's funny you said like, that gaming aspect of it you know, that might have to be a part of it. A lot more gaming going on. So it has that kind of feel and use of technologies. I don't know what that means yet, but I, I see that as kind of playing a game because uh, I keep thinking like, boy, oh boy, there's a different cohort coming and they have different expectations and they're, you know, it's different. So we better make sure we're getting ready for the next generation of users. Uh, they're going to be the next generation of foresters and who they are and what they are. So absolutely. Not not your old grandma anymore or <laughs> the old Doug anymore. We're not the same anymore, right? Yeah, well, even even I, I feel I feel the the age and the bones creeping up on this guy as well. So so thinking of uh, people who want to learn more, I know Remsoft has uh, the Remsoft Intelligence uh, newsletter that's going out, and and you guys are active in social. But for our listeners who are like, man, I love listening to Doug. I want to get more information about Remsoft, uh, Woodstock operations, or even just to chat with you. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? LinkedIn, Facebook, email. What what, yeah. what, what do you think? Definitely through uh, all those all those avenues, Kevin. We got them all plugged in. So LinkedIn is Remsoft LinkedIn site. Website has all kinds of content and information. The ability to contact us, uh, reach out via email, Doug.Jones at Remsoft.com. So all of those typical. You know, the only thing I guess I'm not a, I'm not a big 
person is Facebook, but we are on Facebook too. So it's all there, Kevin. So no, we'd love to hear from you. And it's more about just understanding people's journey and where they're going. Cause you know, it's like, right. It's like, you can only innovate until you know what's going on and what's happening out there. So the more conversations sure. you have, it's, it's more interesting. Man. Sure. Same absolutely. Absolutely. So there you go, listeners. So if you need to get all the Doug, Doug.Jones at remsoft.com. Again, you don't have to go on yeah. the Google, try and figure out how to get a hold of this guy. Definitely encourage you to reach out. The guy I've known for years, love chatting with you all the time. So, hey, man, really appreciate you carving out time. I know you're a busy exec for oh, carving out for us little people in the digital forester oh, to share your thoughts. But thanks so much. I'll give you the closing uh, closing words. Look, we're all, we're all in this together. And uh, and my closing words is, hey, I, I love this blog series that you're doing. I love that it's kind of more just laissez-faire sitting back. I appreciate the opportunity to actually to have this conversation. I just wish we could have more of them in a real face-to-face time. Soon we'll get them. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, Doug. Well, thanks so much. And you have an awesome day. You too, Kevin. Thank you.